So we just want to say, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are here by your spirit. We thank you that you've brought us together, that we might uh, encourage one another and spur one another on, that we can uh, exercise uh, our, our love for, for each other and of you in this space. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that as we spend a moment just uh, reading, listening, reflecting and praying, that, that you would do a work in each one of us. And we pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I said, we're, we're up to our, uh, our eighth week, actually, of... Well, it's not actually eight weeks, because Christmas was included in that, but this is our eighth sermon in the Everybody's Welcome series. And we're now up to uh, Luke 10. Thank you to, to Paul for uh, covering the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, now we're up to Luke 10, and it's probably the shortest passage out of our whole series, a whole five verses. This shouldn't take too long, should it? Five verses. I've titled it Distracted by Many Things, as will become apparent. What I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, read the, uh, the passage. If you've got Bibles with you, either in the printed form or on your tablet or phone or whatever, that's, that's great. You can reflect on that. I'll also have it up on the screen as well. But what we want to do is just read through it. And then I'm just going to pause for a moment, just so that you might just reflect on these these words so Luke 10 38 to 42 as Jesus and his disciples were on their way he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now that's our, our passage for today. If you've got that in front of you there in your Bible let's just take a moment just to read it quietly again and digest it for a second time it's a fascinating passage and we find it in the other Gospels as well so this is not just unique to the Gospel of Luke what is it that God wants to show us today? Now, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world. You knew that, didn't you? Two kinds of people in the world. There are those who believe that there are two kinds of people in the world and those that don't. If only, if only people were so simple that we could divide them into two groups of people. But we, we know that people are complex beings aren't we and it's not easy to be able to separate us into two camps but we can see here in this particular passage that there are two particular personalities that are coming to the fore here now 
we are so diverse and so complex, and I am sure that as you're reading this passage, you may identify with Martha, or you may identify with Mary, or you may see in your life that there's a mix of both Martha and Mary. Mary, the contemplative person, the person who would find nothing better than just to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen and soak it all in. And then there's Martha, the person full of activity, who likes to see and get things done. Now, the danger in this passage is that we look at it and go, who's right and who's wrong? Who's better, who's worse, who's more mature? Who's le-? In many respects, as we'll find out, that's the wrong question to ask. And the problem is, as I was studying uh, leading up to this uh, sermon, realize that there's been so much misinterpretation and so many different applications that have been drawn from this particular story over the last 2,000 years. And I was, I was reading in commentaries that for, for many, that they saw this particular passage and interpreted that it's important, it's more important to contemplate than to do. And so back way back, you know, 1500 years ago in the Middle Ages, they go, we need to set up monasteries because we need to set up places where people can just spend their whole time contemplating because that is what's more important as we read this passage. So there were these monasteries set up all over the place and, and, and monks doing monk things, contemplating, sitting, listening and reflecting, believing that it was more important than working. Now, as a matter of fact, there, you know, a few hundred years ago when Martin Luther, uh, you know, about the, the Protestant Reformation, he challenged a lot of this and he closed down a lot of the monasteries and developed the doctrine of honouring God in, in work. So he flipped it the other way, realising that that was too much of an emphasis in one area. Others have interpreted this story by gender and they've looked at it and they're going, here's either keeping women as passive, just sitting there, not doing anything, or others have flipped it the other way and go, here's Mary, who would have been sitting with other men, alongside men, uh, as disciples, using it either way to uh, develop their particular agenda, marginalising women or including women uh, as they sit at the feet of Jesus. So this, this story has been misinterpreted and misapplied and abused over, over so many years. So we've got to be really careful about how we look at this and not try to use our own agenda. But there's three observations that I want to draw from this particular passage. Um, and there are three words that I'm going to be using. And hopefully as we reflect on these, it will help us to get a healthy perspective of this particular story. The first word is this hospitality. You weren't thinking about that one, were you? Hospitality. Let's have a look at verse 38. Right at the very beginning of this particular story, we read that Jesus came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So Martha shows hospitality. And to many respects, this, this is the frame of the story, isn't it? The frame of the story is um, two women sisters opening up their home for Jesus to, to eat and to stay for a moment. And hospitality was an incredibly important norm of those times. 
Now, I would like to think that hospitality is an important part of our times. I think for a lot of us, we, we like to invite people into our homes and we like to, to show hospitality. But as I think we'll allude to here in this, it was even more important back in those days. And so hospitality became an important part of the early church. In the previous chapter, Luke 9, and, and Paul alluded to this uh, in his sermon, Luke describes Jesus as a homeless person and dependent upon hospitality. Now let's think about that for a moment. So Jesus, in order to be able to do his ministry, depended on people like Martha. As a matter of fact, in, in Luke 9, so the previous chapter to what we're looking at today, Luke 9, 58, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, so you can see here that Martha plays a really important role, does she not? If Jesus is going to conduct his ministry all over the region, he needs a place to eat and he needs a place to stay. So we've got to realise that this hospitality is more than just entertaining. Do you know what I mean? Like when we do hospitality, it's like, oh, would you like to come and eat at our place? We know that you've got food at home and you can eat on your own, but it's more about a social thing rather than the fact that somebody absolutely needs some food, although that does happen for people on the margins around our area. We can exercise hospitality in that regard, but for many of us, we think of hospitality as connecting people together socially. Jesus needed to be fed. He needed people like Martha. So I think what happens is, it, it happens, doesn't it, that, that Martha gets a bad rap in this uh, particular story, but we need people like Martha. Martha is needed for exercising hospitality. But the issue in the story is a subtle difference than just exercising hospitality. Martha notices that Mary is not helping. Would that annoy you? That you're, you know, working hard in the kitchen, working hard, doing all sorts of things, and there's people who are off just enjoying themselves? That would get on your goat a bit, wouldn't it? What would you do about it? Now, this brings, me, this brings me to the second part. This is where we go. I think we get to the heart of the passage. Mary, if you notice in this passage, Mary doesn't, uh, sorry, Martha doesn't ask Mary to help, but she asks Jesus to act on her behalf. And it brings us to our, our second word. First word was hospitality. The second word, I've used triangles. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, three equal sides where the angles all equal 180. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a social construct. And it's, it's basically, well, the proper term is called triangulation. And we see this in, in, in verse 40, where Martha goes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I don't know whether you've just glossed, and I have for many times, just glossed over that. But this is a, a, a classic triangulation where 
you're drawing in a third person into a conflict between two people. You see what's happening here? Mary's got an issue. Sorry, Martha. Martha's got an issue with Mary. And so Martha goes to a third person to say, I've got an issue with Mary. Can you help sort that out? That happens everywhere in so many situations. And I'll tell you right now, a lot of the time it happens and you're not even aware of it. Someone will come to you and will start telling you. And now, now, it's the interesting thing in Christian circles. We don't, we don't gossip, do we, in Christian circles? We just have a prayerful burden for people and we'll go to other people and share. But before we know it, we're engaged in this conflict with them. You know, it's, it's a bit like if I, if I go over to Rhonda and I go, you know Paul Whiting, don't you? It really annoys me when he stands up here and tells people that they can't sit in their own seat. You know what I mean? Now, I don't necessarily want you to do anything about it, but I, I'm just sharing my, my burden with you that we might be able to pray about it. And if you've got a bit of spare time, would you mind going having a chat to Paul? Yeah, you, if you could have a chat to Paul and just tell him that, this is not the way we do things around here. <laughs> is that okay with you? No. It's not. See, Rhonda wised up to that and realised, hang on, I'm being drawn into this, this conflict, right? The best thing that Rhonda could say is, well, John, why don't you have a talk to Paul? Gets you out of it and it brings us to the the key issue here, which has probably got nothing to do with sitting in other people's seats. It's probably something that Paul and I have to work out. Can, can you see this is what's happening here? Can you see that, that what is happening is Martha's saying, I'm really annoyed with Mary and Jesus, I want you to do the dirty work. Now this happens amongst people all the time. And we've got to be careful about it. It particularly happens in, in areas of leadership as a pastor. I've always been aware that there is someone who's going to have a chat to me about another person and before I know it you get sucked into all of that and you're going to that person and you're going back to that person and you're going back to that person and you're going back to that person and you go hang on at some point I've got to get these two people together does, does that make sense now I'm, I'm glad in this story that Jesus wised up to that can you imagine what this story would have turned out like if Jesus goes oh I didn't realize that Mary can you go and help Martha because Martha needs a hand can you imagine if Jesus did it would be a totally different story wouldn't it and I don't think that that would have really helped the situation now I know some of you are going well hang on we're talking about Jesus here Jesus is not an ordinary person and doesn't Jesus intercede for us? So some of you are thinking that, and so this is a different situation. It's an interesting point, because I think we do this in our prayers as well. So in my prayers, I'm going, God, I want you to deal with Paul, because he gets up here and he talks about people you know, having their own seats and everything like that. So God, I want you to sort out Paul. Am I, I'm not making you uncomfortable here, Paul, am I? No, not at all. I just, I need to find someone safe I can use as an example, that's all. We're getting to the deeper problem. We'll have a chat afterwards. But we do this, we do this in prayer, don't we? God, can you fix Paul? And then we keep praying it and keep praying it and we go, God, why aren't you fixing Paul? If we spend enough time listening, you'll probably say, 
John, maybe you need to go and talk to Paul. And I will empower you and I'll be with you and I'll guide you. But what's more important is not fixing Paul, but there's a restored relationship between two people, isn't it? And I don't think God's into just clicking his fingers and just... He, he wants us to be engaged in the restoration of relationships with people. True? Triangles. Now, the problem with triangulation too, quite often what it does, it's indicative of a deeper, deeper problem. And if we look at this, um, Martha's generous hospitality, and we can, we can look at it and go, look, isn't it wonderful that she's opened her home? But it's more about herself than the guest. Now look again at the passage, and excuse me if I do a little bit of emphasizing here, but here's this verse again. Look at the emphasis. Martha says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Help her to help me. Isn't this all about Martha? And so in, in many respects, and, and this, is a, this is a sensitive issue that quite often what we do is we seek to serve, but at the end of the day, it's all about us. It's how we want to be recognized. It's about um, about who we are and seeking to find our identity in what we do rather than in who we are. How often do we serve people? Now, it could be through hospitality. It could be just through assistance. It could be whatever it is. But we make it more about us. And I think this is a, a great opportunity for us to stop for a moment and go, what are my motives when I serve people? When I open my home, when I and I, I'm not saying we shouldn't open our home, but and I think to a certain extent, as we grow in maturity, when we're young in the faith, quite often these are the sort of the, the rugged edges in which God's trying to sort of knock us around a bit in order to be able to help us to be less about ourselves and more about others and Him. Hospitality triangles. Third word is distracted. Distracted. And I, I think this, this is now coming right down into the, to the heart of this passage. Let's, let's have a look at um, the first part of verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, once again, what we're saying is um, people had to be fed so it's not like, um, it's, it's not an important thing that she's doing. But it, it, it's saying here that she was distracted. Actually, one other commentator wrote it and said it like this. This is James A. Wallace on Feasting on the Word. He says, Jesus is not going after busy Martha, but worried and distracted Martha. Let me say it again. Jesus is not going after busy Martha, but worried and distracted Martha. I think this says something into this passage. Because here's the thing. So often, we get negative about Martha because she's busy doing instead of just sitting. But at another time, Jesus might have commended Martha's efforts. The effort is not the issue. Now, last week, we looked at uh, a passage, Luke, well, the, the passage immediately prior to this passage, which is the parable of the 
good Samaritan. Remember, a, a, a lawyer or a, a, you know, a, a person in, in, in law came to Jesus and talked about how he could have eternal life and he talked about loving your neighbour and he asked, who, who is my neighbour? And then Jesus proceeded to tell this story, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And right at the very end of this parable, he says this, Luke 10, 37. Go and do likewise. In other words, be active participants in other people's lives. This is the verse immediately before this story. So get the, the significance of that, immediately before that. So Jesus is not saying it's wrong to be busy or it's wrong to do things. He actually says, get your hands dirty by serving other people. Can you see what's happening there? So let's not get negative on Martha because she was busy and got her hands dirty. Jesus told the lawyer to get busy and helping others, not just to sit and listen. We live in a busy and distracted world. Now, 2,000 years ago, you could get busy and get distracted. What about in the 21st century? How distracted can we get? How busy? How bombarded can we be? And, and we're bombarded on so many levels, not just outside of our home, but inside our home. We've got all sorts of devices that remind us of everything that's going on in the world, within our community and within our relationships that feel like we have to respond to it straight away. How much information we get bombarded with every day, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. Don't you think? Many think multitasking is a virtue. I'm no good at multitasking, and there are some people who are far better at it than me, but any time we're multitasking, it basically means that we're dividing our attention in a couple of different places. Driving and texting, well, you wouldn't do that, would you? Driving and talking, update your Facebook while you're checking out on the 24-7 news feed and you're you know, cooking the dinner while you're, you're watching this or listening to that or on the phone doing this and doing that. Some people are fantastic at being able to do all of that, but whenever you're doing multiple things, it means you're being distracted from the main thing. Now, I'm not saying that doing multiple things at once is wrong, but it does become an issue when we're trying to nurture our relationship with Jesus. And this is the, the core thing that I want to be talking about today. That too often when we think about spending time with Jesus, it may be, you know, while we're driving or, or while we're doing the, the homework or the, or the housework or the chores or the, or the mundane work, um, chores at home or whatever. Whenever we're doing more than one, we're being distracted. I've been, in a, I've been in a restaurant when everybody is looking at their phone. You go, what's, what's going on here? Where, where have we lost the opportunity to be able to just to be in one place at one time and just be in the here and now? We're all drowning in information. And when we do that, words become devalued, facts ignored, 
or distorted. So we live in this distorted age. Now, at the end of the story, if we go down to the very end of verse 42, it's an interesting little thing that I think's been kind of twisted and turned a little bit, where Jesus says to Martha, he says, Mary has chosen what is better. Now, if you leave it at that, you'd look at that and you go, okay, so there's two activities here. One is doing and the other is sitting. You know, one is busying yourself and the other is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. You've got to choose one or the other. I don't think that that is what Jesus is saying. So, so often we think that it's activity versus contemplation. And it would be easy to conclude that contemplation is better than activity. Yet the word better can be easily translated as good. And in this particular context, Jesus is saying, what is good right now in this situation as he is in the home of Martha and Mary? What is good? Let's just sit back. It's not that Mary has, sorry, Martha has chosen wrongly because let's face it, at some point or other in that evening during that day, people needed to be fed. So it's, it's not that there was something wrong there. The key is Jesus is with them. He is with them in the here and now and what he's called for is attention to him. So we don't need to choose between activity and contemplation. We need to choose a balance that makes us whole, free from distractions and worries and focused on the important things. Now, I didn't write that up on the screen, so I'll say it again. We don't need to have to choose between activity and contemplation. We need to choose a balance that makes us whole, free from distractions and worries and focused on the important things. So I want to bring this uh, to a conclusion here with three observations from this passage. And the first observation is this. When we become distracted responders only to what is outside us, our souls wither from undernourishment and disconnection from God. When we become distracted responders only to what is outside us, our souls wither from undernourishment and disconnection from God. Now, the point I'm making is that there are going to be people who are going to have, a bit like the story of the Good Samaritan, we're going to have to respond to people who are in need. We're going to have to respond to situations outside of ourselves. There's going to be you know, a crisis. There's going to be an urgent thing that needs to be addressed or whatever. We need to respond to that. Does that make sense? The problem is if we spend all of our life, because now my life might be a little bit different to you, but in my role, there's always going to be someone who's got a, an issue, a crisis, someone who's going to be followed up, someone who's going to have to be attended to here or sorted out here or this or that. And if you've got kids, you've got kids pulling you this way, pulling you that way, you've got your neighbours, you've got your parents, you've got your grandkids, whatever. And, and we can spend all of our life responding to distractions outside of our own self. True? 
There's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't nurture our own relationship with God, I think what we can offer other people is not going to be as helpful. So we need to prioritise when we're going to nurture our connection with God. When are we going to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen? Meditate. Read. Wait. Because that, in that moment, is better. It's good. How do you develop your inner life? Are you trying to multitask that? Like I said, I've heard people who sort of say, my quiet time is you know, when I'm doing the housework or when I'm driving to work. Great, it's great that you can do that, but don't give God the leftovers. Make it a, a priority to say, I'm going to set aside this time. It may be five, ten minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever. I, I don't think... It, but set that aside and go, I'm just going to sit there and just give Jesus my undivided attention. We need time to give our attention to God and our souls. Second observation is this. We can't worship when we are distracted. We can't worship when we're distracted by those things. It's, it's tied into the first observation, I know. But I think I want to get to a core quite often of our distractions. And our distractions are not necessarily doing stuff you know, cooking the meals or doing work or anything. Quite often our distractions are our worries. We worry. And experts will tell you, you generally worry about two things. You either worry about the regrets from the past or your worry is your anxiety about the future. 99% of worries, that'll be either that. You've regretted what's happened in the past and you go, oh, if only I had that time again, I would have done that differently. And, oh, look at a mess I made of myself. And I'm just, oh, and you just get down on yourself, don't you? Oh, you know. Or you go, oh, tomorrow's around the corner and this is going to happen. And I'm getting all worried about what might happen tomorrow. And this is going to happen and this is going to happen. You get all worried about that. And so 99% of our worries are what's happened in the past. And the thing about what's happened in the past, the good thing is Jesus has already dealt with that. He's forgiven us, hasn't he? Isn't that what he's done? Yep. So even though we've made mistakes in the past, thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me in all of that, strengthened me and helped me to, to move on to the future. And the thing about it is we don't have to be anxious about the future because we can trust him for the future, can't we? Forgiven for the past and trust him for the future. So in theory, and I know, I know it sounds very theoretical because we all still worry, don't we? We just need to learn to go... I leave that with you from the past. Thank you for your forgiveness and I trust you for tomorrow because the only time we have is right now. The only place is right here. And this is the moment today. And I want to worship you. I want to spend time with you today without being distracted about the worries of the past or the future. And the third observation is this. We can only be sustained by the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to talk about activity, the only real activity God calls us to is loving as Jesus loves. That's, that's our core activity, loving others. And that 
we can only be sustained by in him. And too often we are guilty of valuing busyness over focus, don't we? Churches get guilty of that. We want a busy church where everybody's doing this and doing that and it's great when people are serving and running around here, there and everywhere. And I enjoy people doing lots of activities but the danger is if, if those activities take precedent over our own individual nourishment by Christ, which is not found in the midst of all of that busyness, let me tell you that. How do we grow from this story? I've talked about hospitality, the importance of hospitality. Let's not, you know, diminish it at all. Triangulation how easily it happens and distractions and so what I want to do now is I just want us to in some ways do a little bit of a, a practice of all of this so whether it means you just close your Bibles flip your phone over just try to clear as much as possible and we just want to come before God now it's it's this merry moment where we just sit at the feet of Jesus. And we're just going to sit and listen. Sit and wait. Just sit. and worship Heavenly Father we thank you that you are here and that we like Mary can sit at your feet Give us ears to hear that small voice of yours that will speak into our lives. Help us to hear, to be encouraged and to be refreshed. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for living a life where we've sought to make ourselves as busy as possible. And although the busyness may be good things, we've failed to just prioritise time with you and you alone. Help us, Heavenly Father, to order our lives where we give priority to you and you alone. 
we thank you heavenly father for the gifts that you have given us that we might serve others that we can show hospitality that we can care and encourage people and may we do that for your glory not for ourselves but heavenly father in in all of the distractions and and worries of our life for these things that we we worry about the regrets of the past we thank you for your forgiveness we thank you for your grace and we leave all of our our past with you and we thank you that you have dealt with that on the cross and for tomorrow and the day after and next week and next month we we trust you help us just to trust you Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you're not a distant God, that you are here, you are in our home. You fellowship with us. Help us to remember that and to give you the attention today, tomorrow, that you might nourish us and strengthen us. We thank you for this story that we've read today. Continue to teach us and remind us as we seek to live our lives for you. Help us, Heavenly Father, to prioritise time in our day where we spend time with you and you alone. Like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.